Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Rainbow Parenting, a queer and gender affirming parenting podcast for anyone with littles in their lives. I am your host, Linz Amer. Today, I'm talking to Eli Din, who is the founder and runner of Galaxy Community Circle, which is an incredible organization that I am very, very excited to introduce all of you to. Eli is a trans person and an educator and a parent and someone who is around a lot of queer and trans kids. So we're talking a lot about the state of trans kids today and what it's actually like to be in spaces with queer and trans kids in this moment. I think we're coming to the conclusion that trans kids are mostly all right right now. (laughs) And we talk about a whole lot of other stuff. Before we get to my chat with Eli, just a couple of quick things. Queer Kid Stuff is presenting a very exciting mini conference for queer and trans educators later this month. I am super, super excited that we've been putting together this little conference of ours. It's the very first year we're doing it and offering this kind of programming to queer and trans educators. Allies are welcome. And we have an awesome, awesome lineup. We've got Key Gross from Woke Kindergarten doing our keynote. We have a panel with some incredible folks. Emmy is going to be on the panel if you listen to Emmy's episode. If you haven't, please go back in the feed and go listen. It's an incredible conversation that we got to have and some other folks that we haven't had on the podcast, but hopefully will soon. And we've got a cyber security workshop with Tall Poppy, which is uh, they have Zoe Quinn on their board. They are very legit. And I also like want to expand the idea. This is a conference that's we're billing for teachers and educators. But if you consider yourself an educator, particularly an online educator in any way, please, please consider coming to the conference and participating and looking at some of our different workshop offerings. I'm really excited that we can provide resources to queer and trans educators, however you might identify under that umbrella. I think the word educator can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So if you consider yourself under that umbrella, you are very, very welcome at the conference. We have sliding scale options on the Eventbrite page. All of that is linked through our website and through our Instagram, and we've been putting out newsletters about it. So make sure you go check that out. The conference is called Queer Teachers Rock because queer teachers do rock. (laughs) So please go check out that conference. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of October with most of the programming being on the 22nd that Saturday. So please go check out that lineup. Go get your registration. Go get those tickets. We are going to be selling those all month of October. Uh, So please make sure you check that out. We are also really excited that Halloween is coming up. Halloween is one of my absolute favorite holidays. I might be a little biased. My birthday is on the 30th, so I'm a Scorpio Halloween baby. But we are throwing a Halloween party for all of our patrons. So if you are a patron currently, or if you sign up this month, all of our patrons get access to our very exciting, very special Halloween party with me and Teddy. We're going to read some queer Halloween books. I'm going to dress up. I don't know what I'm going to dress up as, but we will find a costume. Don't worry. (laughs) And everyone is encouraged to come in their costumes. We're going to do a little dance party to some Halloween tunes. We're going to share our costumes, maybe do a little 
show and tell with our friends. It's going to be an excellent Halloween time. So make sure you check out the Patreon if you're already a patron. And if you're not contributing just $5 a month, or if you want to do the full year, it's $50. And all of that goes to our programming and making sure that we're keeping the lights on here at Queer Kid Stuff. So go check that out. And I will see you at our Halloween party. And as always, pre-order the Rainbow Parenting book if you haven't yet. The links are all over our socials as well. Okay, that's it for business and enough of me talking. Let's get to my conversation with Eli. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting. I have a very special guest on today, Eli Din, who I'm so excited to introduce to all of you today. Hello, Eli. Hey, Lynn. So good to see you. Good to see you, too. Can you tell the good folks how you identify and what your pronouns are? My pronouns are they and them. Identity words that feel good for me are non-binary, trans, white. I think those are some big ones. Fantastic. And everyone brings their own interpretation of that question to this, which I think is um, a, a really beautiful reason why I like to pose it because it's so general and it's like identity, what even is that? And what does that mean within this particular context? And I love how people interpret that. So I wanted to bring you here because you are an educator. You are also a person who works with lots of trans kids and you have incredible organization that I love called Galaxy Community Circle. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your organization? Yeah. Um, so my background is in early childhood education. I've spent the last 10 years mostly as a classroom teacher. I've taught a lot of different ages, but the one I've done most often is kindergarten. In 2020, I quit my full-time teaching job and sort of did my like fever dream, not fever dream, but you know, like future dreaming of like, mm -hmm. what's the world I wish existed. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, you know, there are so many people who want to support trans kids and mm -hmm. just don't necessarily have the place for those kids to meet each other. There mm -hmm. are some orgs out there that do work educating parents and teachers, and that's all great. And as someone whose, I guess, professional background and personal passion is just like, kids being together mm -hmm. um thought how do these kids get to know each other so i kind of mm -hmm. threw the idea out on instagram that i could start a pilot cohort for this and i had all these like ideas of maybe what it could be and what it is is kids from all over the country logging into the same zoom we have in the 20s 20 to 30 families enrolled at any given time we never really usually have more than eight or nine kids show up to a session, so it's really small and cozy, and the kids know each other. They honestly don't talk about gender much, but they all do have experience with thinking about gender. So I guess in my sort of like pitch to families and things, I kind of describe it as gender diverse, which mm -hmm. isn't my favorite phrase, but it does sort of umbrella capture. Yeah, totally. I think figuring out what words to use with kids is a more particular, I mean, like language around transness is like a thing already anyways, like this is inside baseball transness stuff. But like, totally. that is like a huge, huge conversation that happens with the community constantly. Um, if anyone is interested in checking out tra the trans side of Twitter, uh, tr tread with caution, maybe. But uh, yeah, the conversations about language and like adult gender is something very particular, but I think it's not talked about as much with kids and is also just like so much more like loosey-goosey and fluid and like hard to pin down because 
this is my like hot take that I love to pull out of my back pocket is that like all kids are queer because all kids are pre-structural and like don't understand the like rules and and strictures of our world. And that also applies to the language kids use to describe themselves. So no matter like the way you approach gender with those kids and like the language and like the vocabulary that you introduce them to, they like still might reject that anyways. So what are you like kind of seeing in like the realm of language and like kids and their identity and gender? Okay, first just like snaps to everything you said. And that's a podcast, so you can't see me like vigorously, <laughs> vigorously nodding my head like, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. but I think as someone who really believes that like, you know, working with kids is about empowering them and kind of stepping back and letting them have space Yep. Um, in a world that wants kids to be small and less. Mm-hmm. It's been really important to me to not put words on kids that they don't use themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been really interesting as like an adult trans person to see what words kids use. So the pilot cohort for Galaxy was in 2020 and there were nine kids and it was the same kids who came like every week. So it was a little bit different. Nowadays, it's it's much more like drop in based. Uh, we have kids as young as four and as old as 11. So there's mm-hmm. really a spread. But that first group, I asked them, you know, like, what is this space after the second or third time doing it? What what is this group? What what brings us together? And, you know, a couple kids are like, oh, well, we're all trans. But then a couple other kids are like, no, I'm not. And a couple kids are like, well, maybe we're all non-binary. And then someone else is like, I'm not. And someone else says, we're all ourselves. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that. So, like, we were making, you know, community agreements. And that was the one that they could all pin on. It's like, we, uh, a galaxy, we can all be ourselves. And that was, like, what they mm. said it would be. When I've asked kids, because I, I, I just periodically am curious. I'm like, yeah. how do you... How would you describe Galaxy if we had a new friend join? The only thing that they have consensus around is like we're people who've thought about gender. Some of the kids will say, like, especially the older ones who are like eight, nine, ten, eleven, they they'll say, like, oh, there's LGBT kids. Mm-hmm. None of them use the word queer, which is so interesting to mm-hmm. me as an adult for whom yeah. that has been like a really important word for me because of its ambiguity. Mm-hmm. The what I hear kids say the most is like kids like me, people like me. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of non-binary identifying kids too. I don't want to put words in them they don't use for themselves. And gender diverse is kind of like, like diverse doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And I think like the word that I hear the most that's specific to kids, I don't really hear it very often in adult spheres is gender creative. But like, there's also something that like doesn't feel like it's getting captured in that. No, and I don't think it's, it's necessarily true either. Because like, who gets to determine what's creative about a particular mm. person's gender? It's like what I have on my newest flyers, it just says kids of all genders. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, trans flags and pride flags on it to like signify for the kids who are like, I need to meet other trans kids. And they know that is there. But for other kids who don't have those words, either in their lived experience or mm-hmm. that just don't feel a connection with them, like it's just a place where all genders are welcome. And so when I started Galaxy, I thought the kids would talk about gender a lot and they frankly almost never do. They want to talk about Roblox. They want to yeah. talk about the Owl House and like, you know, the, st- the stuff that they're into. They don't want to necessarily go into gender theory. That's mm-hmm. not to say that it doesn't sometimes slip into that. It, much more often in our tweens group, which is new, but mm-hmm. our 9, 10, and 11s, they definitely can get into some cool like queer theory. But um, I'm sure. I mean, the pilot group that you were just talking about, I was like, I could flip through a, a trans studies journal and like those are the essays 
<laughs> that are like in there. Like that is some like high level stuff that like grownups aren't even thinking about. And like kids are just like having those conversations. And like you don't need the context of like scholarship in order to be able yeah. to have that. Right. Well, and I think it comes from lived experience. Like mm-hmm. Galaxy, we also have kids from a ton of different perspectives. We have mm-hmm. kids all around the country. Um, we have a good number of queer spawn kids. So kids like my kiddo um, who have queer parents or, you know, queer family members, kids who are in a lot of different places in their own sort of, you know, quote unquote gender journey. Mm-hmm. We've got kids who are like, they're kind of exploring and they've let their parents know that they're not comfortable with a particular word or something. And their parent finds me and they come and they're using it as like an exploring space. But we have other kids come who've been out for like five or six years, which is huge when you're eight yeah. or nine. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like I just got top surgery this last January. Like I'm not even like out and like living as trans in my body, like lo- as long as that kid. So <laughs> kudos to them for knowing themselves that young. Yeah. It's amazing. We have so many thoughts on like the power of, you know, the phrase like my existence is resistance. Mm-hmm. I don't know where who originated it, but I feel like as a queer adult, sometimes there's this pressure to be like, oh, you need to be doing all this activism. You need mm-hmm. to be doing these great things. And it's quite easy to lose sight of the fact that just showing up as yourself yeah. in yeah. whatever context you're in actually means the world to other people. Because I can't tell you how many Galaxy kids like have been positively influenced by a new librarian at school who's trans or mm. a counselor who's non-binary or their neighbor who's gay or just like seeing queer and trans people existing out in their day-to-day life is world-changing for these kids. So if you're a queer or trans adult listening to this podcast, like, please give yourself some grace and like, thank your little inner child for making it to now because the, the, the you that you are now means so much to these kiddos. I mean, that's why I do what I do. And like this idea, I mean, the, this, the idea of becoming a trans role model for kids is problematic in itself, but like it is important too. And like, those are things that I'm like grappling with like every day. I'm like, okay, like I am a public figure. I have like a public face on all of these things. And like kids can see me and are, I'm on a stage and I'm performing and I'm a trans person who is in a leadership position, position of power when I am around young people because I'm put on this pedestal that I put myself on. Oh my gosh, it's so complicated. Um, but the influence of exactly what you're talking about is why I push through the problematic part of it to say like, this is impactful and this is important because it's making an impression on a young person and helping them figure themselves out. And like, that is the best gift I could give a young person because I can't give it to my younger self. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's complicated, but an important like thing to be wrestling with. And like, I think it's important for me to be asking those questions of myself constantly and other trans people to be asking themselves that constantly because so much of our society is purposefully trying to separate generations of trans people from each other. So I I would love if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think what's so powerful about Galaxy for many of our kids is that many of them exist as like the odd one out Mm -hmm. in their day-to-day context. Many of them are forced to be kind of trailblazers and in their own persistence to just show up as themselves in their life some of them encounter some you know real challenges um luckily not all the kids do i'll just say like galaxy is the place where they aren't the exception to the rule you know mm-hmm. everyone there just has a shared understanding that the world is bigger than what some people believe and so there's just this 
fluidity and flexibility and openness. Even kiddos whose families might think that they really like have those things down pat get to see their kiddo showing up at Galaxy even more expansively. And I, I say this from my own experience because I have a six-year-old who comes and um, I asked her this morning what I could say. And she's you can say my pronouns today or she and her and nothing else. <laughs> okay. We will honor your child's wishes. <laughs> I'll just say, and I think she's okay with me saying this, that um, Galaxy, it, it's cool to see her interacting with the other kids there. Mm-hmm. And I get to see and hear things from her that I don't in other contexts Mm. like there's just this freedom to be that is beautiful i love that i love that um i'm curious kind of going back to the idea of like the separation between like trans kids and trans adults and like trans kids from like people who can support and uplift them and i'm curious i feel like there is something that happens within like the trans adult community of like i have to stay away from children and i'm i'm curious if you've ever like encountered that and like how you have that conversation with like a trans adult who's like scared of children. To be frank, I haven't really encountered that specific situation, but as a teacher, an early childhood educator, I've definitely had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about the challenges of believing and affirming children in all of the radical progressive ways that Mm -hmm. I think a lot of early childhood folks can agree to. Um, and understanding that those same concepts of agency, autonomy, self-determination, all that, that, that applies to gender stuff too. And, and I think there's also just the, you know, general societal conflation of like bodies and gender, hmm. right? Yeah. I have experienced in my own teaching career, transphobia, pushback from families, um, coworkers and admin who don't really get it. It is a really hard time to be a teacher in general. And it's a really hard time to be a trans person. So being a trans teacher is just like, yeah, just throw another thing in the pot. You know, it's like the intersection of, you know, my identity as a teacher and mm-hmm. as a queer and trans person, like, is a unique perspective. I've been really grateful to be part of the Trans Educators Network because there's tons of folks in education. And when I had some really challenging moments as a teacher dealing with transphobia in school communities, it was really crucial for me to connect with other trans teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram was a really big place for me in making friends and just having people to be like, I see you. Yeah. You're not um, fill in the blank, right wing propaganda, transphobic, yeah. Yeah, skin, yeah, yeah. right? Um, hearing that is hard. And I know, you know, yeah, yeah. And this is a great actually chance for me to plug something that we have not announced yet. Um, we're actually uh, at Queer Kids Stuff, me and the team are putting together a mini conference for queer and trans educators at the end of October that I am really, really stoked about. We're like doing a cybersecurity workshop. We're doing a support group and we've got Key Gross from Will Kindergarten is going to do our keynote. We've got panelists. It's going to be really, really cool. And I'm excited to cultivate a space specifically for queer and trans educators. Um, because as you were just saying, it is incredibly difficult to be a queer and trans educator right now, particularly a trans educator. And finding that community is so hard because we're specifically kept from each other and isolated from each other. And like, that's the system working in the way that it was designed. And uh, that sucks when you're on the receiving end of that and experiencing it. So I'm really excited for that project. Um, But let's get back. (laughs) No, that's amazing. And I'm really excited. And I'm like, oh, I know all of the friends I want to invite to. Yes. And I'm also thinking about like, just being really transparent. Like I'm not a full-time classroom teacher anymore. And it's specifically because of transphobia. I just had to figure out 
out a way to exist as a person and show up for my child and show up for my mm -hmm. partner and frankly show up for myself and yeah. it is a privilege that i was able to make a choice of it mm -hmm. and it's been a privilege to be able to continue like my dream job idea to just like keep working towards it and it is sad that i can't do the job that i'm good at and, and yeah. love uh <laughs> yeah but i really love this um new route in my own journey because i feel like all the things that are really hard about existing as a trans person in a workplace like mm -hmm. i don't have to deal with yeah but when people ask me questions about gender it's because they have good intentions they're trying to support their kids and they're mm -hmm. paying me for it sometimes yeah. <laughs> and and i get to do the thing i love most about teaching which is being with kids and mm -hmm. helping kids with their joyful growing and learning mm -hmm. um and it's just in a place where we all have some shared experience and perspective and values yeah i i, I absolutely love that and i love that how fulfilling it is for you and how you're able to fill the like teacher bucket in in this way now i've been like shedding a lot of the the work that I do that doesn't fulfill me. So like, I haven't been doing as many panels, I haven't been doing as much consulting, and I haven't been doing things that feel um, like they drain me because I'm having to do so much of the heavy lifting for people who are asking that of me and asking for my energy in that way. And giving yourself permission to say, no, I don't want to do that. That's not going to be part of my work anymore is such an important conversation to have with yourself and something I encourage all queer and trans educators to like ask themselves. For sure. And I mean, honestly, queer and trans people, I think 2020 yeah. was really transformative for me because like going from daily experiences of misgendering, you know, disrespect, transphobia, and I think what affected me more were the well-intentioned people who were still hurting me. So it yes. was like, I kept holding out hope for them to stop hurting me. And then they continued. And yeah. Anyway, and then it just disappeared overnight. I will also say I had top surgery February, 2020. While I was in recovery, everything shut down, shelter in place. So it's all the different combinations of things yeah. for me. And I'll never really know what is from what, but I will say that all the experiences of that year, um, the combination of like not having to be in transphobic spaces, frankly, just like getting to choose who I spend my time with. Yeah. And then suddenly existing in this world in a body that I thought, I mean, obviously I got top surgery because I thought it would like be good for me and I would feel great and stuff. But like, I had no idea. No idea. I feel like there's a part of my brain or like a part of my soul that was just like not accessible. And then yeah. once I'd had it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much more of me. I have more colors to paint with or whatever, you mm -hmm. know? No, I've had exactly the same experience and I'm I'm not even at a year out yet. And I've just like this entire year has just been so expansive for me in a way that I just like never anticipated. Like experiencing gender euphoria on a daily basis was just not something I had experienced for the first 30 years of my life. And like that is wild. Uh, like I'm so much more comfortable in both my masculinity and my femininity now. Like I've been painting my nails for the first time in like 20 years. Like there's so many different things. My friends have told me that like I, I feel like there's like a weight lifted, like there's something lighter about me. And like it's just been yeah, top surgery is great. And like, it, <laughs> for me, it was great. And, and I, it's not, you know, not something everyone needs. But yeah, well, I think what it is, it's following your gut. Exactly. And, I, and I think that so much of trans decision making for us is like, 
it is so hard to weed through like what we actually want or feel or yes. need because there's so many other messages there and there are so many strong voices that come from outside but frankly can come from inside because of our own internalized stuff yeah about the necessity of certain choices or like what does it mean if fill in the blank yeah and just following your gut and just going with it like I know you're a big gender reveal podcast fan. Oh, yes, so yes. One of the advice episodes, uh, the answer to every question was like, me mess around and find out. <laughs> and like, frankly, that's so, so my like feeling about everything. It's mm -hmm. like everything I have chosen and, and made like it felt so huge. And then mm -hmm. once it had happened, I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely it. You know, it's like it felt like a huge decision to like change my pronouns. And then once mm -hmm. I had them, I was like, oh, why did I ever put up with those other ones? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good, good trans vibes right now. I love it. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's return back to the kids for for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I oh, I have so many questions. Um, let's start with how are the trans kids doing right now? I want to like have a little check in. How how are the kids like actually? Because you're actually like in community with trans kids consistently, yeah. and I I can't say that that's true for most trans people or most people generally. So I feel like you're probably one of the best people to ask that question. I'm really lucky I get to know so many awesome trans and non-binary and gender awesome kids. Mm -hmm. um, I have a good friend and he's a barber who gives like queer affirming haircuts. They're yes. trans as well. And we love to just like talk shop together because mm -hmm. we both get to just like interface with all these delightful young queer and trans people. And it's such joyful work. But anyway, enough about me, the trans and other other gendery things, the kids. Mm -hmm. I heard a friend use uh, the term gender wild recently, and I <laughs> loved that. Uh, my kids who think a lot about gender are like every other group of people, uh, diverse in their experiences. So they are, by and large, doing how kids are doing. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a whole, I can say the kiddos that I know have uh they have great joys in their life have challenges in their life and my job and the job i help their families do is to make sure as few of those challenges as possible have to do with other people's hatefulness and other mm, people's yeah. transphobia and queerphobia and that as many of the joys as possible can include them getting to be their full selves so mm. you know so we get to see a lot of their sort of joy about I dug a really deep hole or like I got a new dog, but mm -hmm. we do get to see glimpses of like their, you know, their children gender euphoria. And what I hear and love are the moments where it's like, let's say I went to the coffee shop this weekend and there was a pride flag there. Like that's a big mm. deal in the life of one of these kids, you know, yeah. or um, my grandpa finally used my new name. He remembered this time kids showing up and they have a new haircut and everyone's just like, yo, you look amazing. And just those little moments of gender euphoria that we have in like our own queer and trans community as adults with each other, like they totally have that too, where they just mm -hmm. get to share all of the wins and all the challenges of all the things because they get to have their complex, you know, selves that like yeah. their gender is part of the beautiful tapestry of who they are. And so we get to see their super cool gap because they lost both their front teeth, like at the top. Oh, it's amazing. And uh, check out their dress and how good it spins. Mm. All that together. 
The challenges kids have are the challenges I see most repeatedly are schools acting like they have no idea what to do when it's 2022 and and getting questioned by other kids. So many Galaxy kids have experience, whether they've brought it up in sessions or their families have brought it up with me, um, Mm -hmm. of being somewhere new and people just immediately running up and asking, other kids running up and asking, are you a girl or a boy? And just the discomfort that gives so many kids, Mm. they're just like, no, thank you. (laughs) And I talk with my own kid about this. It's this code switching, right? Like if you live in the world, like my kid does, where at home, like we understand that there's a girl boy lie, right? In the words of Maya Gonzalez and um, her partner, Matthew, that Mm -hmm. like the world believes this lie that there are two kinds of people, boys and girls, and that there are certain things that are only for those people. And that includes behaviors and bodies and and jobs and colors and toy right all the things mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and then there are people like us who understand that that's just it's a story that's not real yeah because we know so many people who don't exist within that lie so there's a lot of code switching kids do and mm. i think galaxy is the place where for some of our kids it's like the place they can just fully be but for other kids it's in flux You know, like there are certain people in their school community who they really feel fully connected with. You know, the the challenges I hear are usually about like a substitute, you know, misnaming them or a new kid in the class saying like, you're not really fill in the blank gender. It is a challenge as a queer and trans adult navigating a world that wants me to be one or the other. Sometimes I have to make compromises. Yeah. Whether they're for my safety whether they're from just like my emotional stability, like my yeah. fatigue um, and whether and like I'm deciding about conflict. And the thing is, like, you know, as an adult trans person, that's like that's hard and exhausting. And kids have to do that work, too. And yeah. I wish they didn't. I really wish they didn't. They just don't get to live in a world yet that we want them to. So Galaxy can at least be the place where they don't have to decide between if I wear this dress, will people now misgender me? Or if I put on this nail polish, will people treat me differently or yeah. if I bring this toy for show and tell will people say this or that sorry now I'm just gonna get sad no, <laughs> yeah we, it's it's sad it's sad in the world that already wants kids to like make themselves small and then we want kids with marginalized identities to just do that even further right um I wish my kiddos didn't have to be so resilient and yeah. I wish that they didn't have to um be such trailblazers and their communities are so lucky that they are because yeah. they are all change makers in their own worlds. Because every time they show up and they just state their truth and they just are, mm-hmm. things change, things shift. Not as fast as we'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, there's a lot of Galaxy kids who are homeschooled, um, mm-hmm. whose families have just decided to remove them from you know systems of harm. Yeah. But yeah, you're making me emotional because this is something I feel so strongly in my work is that like I. I just wish that I could like tell cute little stories for kids like about like being trans and being non-binary and like just like just tell stories, just exist, just make things that I want to make. And there are just so many barriers to that just because of who I am to for these kids, just because of who they are. And it's really, really painful. And it's why I hate when people call me brave. It's why like I did not ask to trailblaze. Like when I talk about like there's a lot there's a lot around like calling yourself like the first to do something. That's not something that like should be 
like a brag. That actually, I actually do think sometimes it is important to call that out, but not as, and like say that about yourself and about your work. No, I'm but laughing not, because I've had experience of like yes. specifically calling people out on that about mm-hmm. like, if you're going to expect me to trailblaze, you need to, to pay me for that job instead of the, yes. the other teaching job you hired me for. And mm-hmm. Yes. Because like, I think it's important to like, if you are the first to do something really big, I actually do think it is important to talk about that, even though there's like problematic stuff about like that being like a bragging right. Because I actually think that like saying that about your work, saying that about something you that you do is actually something that should shame your industry, shame the people around you who forced you to be the first. The first is not a badge of honor to wear. It is like the scarlet letter. Like it is like the it is like everyone who's looking at that and saying, oh, that's so cool. That's so great. You're the first. No, that you should not be feeling proud of that person. You should feel shame in yourself for the fact that they had to be that first person because first is lonely and that is not a fun place to be at all yeah and it's also like i feel like it could be under the like encyclopedic definition of like privilege because every Mm. time you're the first of something it's still the person with the least to lose doing it right like it's not a it's not a coincidence that like i as an able-bodied like middle class white queer and trans person like have the ability to to do this right like it's an an immense privilege that i have the support network that i have to Mm -hmm. have been able to make these career choices something that i care a lot about for galaxy is bringing in other role models for the kids because i'm Mm -hmm. like it's great for them to know that i exist Mm -hmm. and to be in community with me and they see plenty of people who look like me in the world and I want them to know that the, that like trans and non-binary isn't just like white trans mass people, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like you know, we we have a guest program. So every month we have someone new coming in, and it's been beautiful all the way through. I love it because it's so fun to connect with other queer and trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love seeing the way that the kids connect, seeing mm-hmm. which kid will like really connect with a certain guest. Sometimes I can predict it, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's like pure magic where everyone is like, wow. And, you know, other times it's just we're all being goofy and then the guests will send me a gushy email after like, oh my gosh, you know. But what I want for those kids is for them to see that, like, they see their future every time they come to Galaxy. Mm. And they see themselves as a role model, too, because we mm. have a range of ages of kids. So, like, frankly, our 9 and 10 and 11-year-olds, they love our 4 and 5-year-olds. Mm. They think it's flipping awesome. And... Our four and five and six year olds need those nine, 10, 11 year olds who just like, they're the cool older kids, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when these adult community guests come in to really be able to show them that like you have limitless possibility. Um, I've been really trying to reach out to people outside of my own sort of like realm, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like the first few guests I've had, like, you know, friends are like, uh, thank you, Kyle Lukoff, people in like the trans people who care about early childhood mm-hmm. world and mm-hmm. are trying to go broader because I want them to see like, yes, you can be an author. You can mm-hmm. be, uh, you can make media. Uh, yesterday we had someone on who's a professor, like you can mm-hmm. be a professor or you know, you can be scientists, you can be right. It, yeah. the things we want all kids to know. Uh, I really especially want these kids to know that who they are is a gift and that every time they get to meet someone who has some shared perspective in terms of queer and transness, um, that that be a magical connection for mm. them that they see. Look at this amazing person. They like Pokemon, too. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. She is super cool. She has the most delightful laugh. It makes me joyful too. And she thinks you're really cool too. It's just getting to foster that connection has been beautiful. And um, I think it's so important for trans kids to many, many generations of who they could be. No, I think that that's perfect. And I think this this gets to kind of a central question that I wanted to talk to you about of this like, hashtag protect trans kids, like all of the stuff that's happening. And like, I think it's so easy to just tweet with the hashtag and say like, I'm going to donate to the ACLU. I'm going to spread this information and like do the politics of it. But like that is so separate from like the actual experience of trans kids. And there's so little that's actually connected to the young people who are being affected by the legislation and the transphobia and like all the crap that's happening. And I'm so curious about just like generally your thoughts on like hashtag protect trans kids. It's always felt very like black square on Instagram BLM <laughs> stuff. I mean, I, I think that it's it's like that social justice conversation that comes up a lot of the impact versus into, mm, right? Yeah. Like there are actually like a good number of groups that do a lot of work on behalf of trans kids. And their impact, I think, is more on adults, mm. which isn't not important. Yeah, for sure. What I, have, what I have found is that, like, the reason I really wanted to start Galaxy and the reason that mm. I continue feeling it's important, it is well and good to want to change broken systems. Mm -hmm. And it is important to also not fight all the time. Mm. It is important to make room where the focus is on the joy mm. and my hope for galaxy is that it has a ripple effect one of the galaxy parents was saying recently like i wish like all these things we know their school should be doing we could just make them do and i said you know what i've been finding is that it is really hard to get schools to change. It takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know that from uh, generally as an educator, but I know that specifically with this too, because like you were saying about working as like a consultant, I've done some of that too. And I don't really do much of it anymore yeah. because it is so frustrating. Oh, it's incredibly frustrating. I've had some of the email conversations you wouldn't, I mean, you would believe, but you wouldn't believe. Oh, I would believe. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think that, I don't know, I don't want to pat myself on the back or anything here, but like the book that I'm writing, the TV shows that I'm trying to pitch right now, like those are like how I'm at least trying to do systemic change of like cultural influence, right? And like showing how a trans kid could exist in a school setting and like how parents can take these like techniques and tools and like make sure that they're fostering trans allies in their young people and like not waiting until their kid comes out as queer or trans to start talking yeah. about these ideas. And like, I think it's so important for any parent, any educator, any adult, especially and in, in including trans adults, that like, it's so important to go beyond the hashtag and also like interrogate where you encounter kids in your life and where you can make a difference and an impact in those spaces. And that is way more than like a monthly donation to the ACLU, right? Yeah. Well, and it's also more than like shouting. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking with a loved one recently about the way that people so aggressively gender babies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this loved one of mine, um, having someone in their life 
who they want to keep in their life, who has a baby, but who is really aggressively being like binary with stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, My loved one trying to figure out the balance between like, how do I tell this person you need to do better Mm -hmm. without losing them? Yeah. Right. Because I wish we lived in a world where you could just be like, hey, wake up. Y'all, all the things. Mm -hmm. But the reality of of change is more complex. And like, yeah, I wish I could push a magic button and all my Galaxy Kids schools would be perfect and meeting all their needs and doing all the things that I know that they should be doing. I can tell them. But when they hire me to do it, they still don't even follow the directions. So it's like, what? Anyway. Yeah. I think what is hard with the protect trans kids and just generally advocating for trans kids is Mm -hmm. the reality and the lived experience of these kids is they have to do so much compartmentalizing. Mm. I recently did a four month substitute gig teaching middle school. I'd never taught middle school before, but I agreed to it um, because (laughs) it's a school that I love and Mm. I have had good experiences with. And um, a bunch of my students were my former kindergartners. So I was like, Oh, circle and I'm old um <laughs> that experience and getting to see what it is like to be a queer or trans or questioning or whatever non <laughs> non cishet yeah you know uh 12 13 14 year old there's so much compartmentalization these kids mm. have to do because they exist in these two dichotomous worlds where they have their peers who absolutely understand all the things and use all the things and get them 100 percent yeah and then they have adults in their life who just don't and I I would sometimes be like, what? Because the things that they're just like, oh, well, this just is. Yeah. I am this here and I am this here. And there's so much right now in news and pop culture and stuff around like, should trans people, you know, even exist and all this like wildly eugenicist sort of transphobia stuff. Yeah, I roll. Right? It, it's like that. And I'm I'm like not interested in that. I spent some time working on helping people understand that being trans is is not bad and i'm like i'm done with that i want to help the kids whose parents are like yeah we know being trans is not bad we just want to know better or parents who know just as well as me and they just want their kid to have other friends you know like that's the dream and and, and i really appreciate that there are people that do that work of like helping not accepting people become accepting people Mm -hmm. but like for me it's not a use of my energy that I feel has a positive impact in the world because yeah. it is so draining to me that I, it's not sustainable. Whereas offering these kids places to be together, mm. from what I hear from their families, has a huge impact on their lives and is pretty low cost. Yeah. I think things that maybe adults don't know, like uh, so many kids find a community with other queer kids on Roblox. Do you know about Roblox? I vaguely, I have never gotten personally into Roblox, but I've heard good things. It's like, it's basically <laughs> like, a, I mean, and I'm sure some kid will listen to this and roll their eyes. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> my understanding of Roblox is that it's a platform for games and there's a whole bunch of different games. You can mm. also program your own, but because it's like a massive multiplayer online game thing, there's different people in it. So you can mm. come in and decorate your avatar however you want. Cute. And so. There's so much room for um, playing around with expression, Mm. playing around with names, identity, any of that. And then once you're in the games, you can connect with folks and like make friends. So if you see someone who has like a non-binary pride, you know, sticker or whatever, you can be like, yay, I'm non-binary too. And there are so many ways that the kids right now get to know that this other world exists, that their day-to-day world may be working really hard to hide from them. 
Mm, um, yeah. And so the power, the power that adults have to control the narrative is is flipping. And I think that's why we see so much backlash, right? It's like, mm. we want to control who these people are. And for folks like you and me, it's like, well, they're going to be them no matter what. Yeah. They, let's just give them all the tools so they have less therapy to do than we did. I hope so. My God, the healing, the like the just like the massive like iceberg of healing that I I've done a, a bunch of it. I still have so much to do. Oh, my gosh. It's just like it's never ending. Right. And it's like so frustrating to be like, oh, I've got all this healing that I still have to do <laughs> because I mean, like it's important work, but it's also just kind of like I wish I didn't have that much stuff to like yeah. have to so heal. It's hard not to be mad about it. It's mm-hmm. really hard not to feel um bitter about the fact that like. Yeah. Like I was saying that I had more paint colors after top mm-hmm. surgery, you know what I mean? Just like more of myself. Yeah. I could be really mad. Like it is unfair that I lived for so much of my life yep. without the confidence, without the joy, without the self-love that mm-hmm. like I've come to experience. And I also can't change the past, but I can fight like hell to make the f- the current, you know, the right now, mm-hmm. that better world for my child and for the kids that I work with in Galaxy. Yeah. So that they don't have to do all the, the unpacking. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to go through with a critical lens. And that's been really interesting with, you know, my own kid getting to talk about things out loud with them and not just gender, but like, you know, I'm a white person of the era of like colorblindness, right? Mm-hmm. Where my yeah. upbringing was all about like, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of me messing up yeah. to to start working through that. And being married to a person of color is not like, it, obviously it was never their job to like fix my <laughs> racism, mm-hmm. right? But in being in relationship, that's something I've gotten better at. And so I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling. I guess what I'm trying to say is all the isms in society, all the things, like we all have our stuff to work through. And I mm-hmm. think parenting is this wildly ambitious thing many of us do. Mm-hmm. where we decide the world is awful and wonderful at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that bringing another human into this world is a net positive idea. Mm. Doing it is such a leap of faith and an act of bravado mm-hmm. and an act of like in it, like naivete, right? Like mm-hmm. the transition to becoming a parent is such a big one. And honestly, that's how I even started unpacking my own gender stuff. I actually mm-hmm. came out as trans when my kid was a toddler. Mm. And, I, and I feel like there are so many things as a parent that I cannot shield my child from. And so the best job I can do in this world is to be explicit about it and clear about it with my kid to mm. make sure they have the tools to see through the BS and to call that stuff out so that they don't internalize it. And that's what I think all of the families of Galaxy are really wanting to make sure that their kids are equipped with is an understanding, a deep understanding that there is nothing wrong with who they are. Yeah. And actually that who they are is an amazing gift and benefit to everyone that they know. Yeah. That they yeah. make the world better just by showing up as themselves. And as the adults around them, we do everything we can to bring them more of those joyful moments and take on as much of the fighting for them so that they don't have to do it themselves. No, I I think that's beautiful because I think that so much of this like going beyond like the hashtag activism of it 
for me is about like on the one hand uplifting and affirming and supporting queer and trans kids in like whatever way possible and like however people can achieve that in like an actual tangible way not in like an abstract way and then the other side of it is like grown-ups just bettering themselves and like that's Mm -hmm. I mean like that's why I wrote my book (laughs) that's why I'm like talking to parents, I'm talking to educators. This is like one way, one model for like how you can be better. And it's about like, this is what you can do with your kid. This is parenting. This is technique. But like, really, the book is like for that grown up, right? And like, I hope that like, maybe this is like, (laughs) wishful thinking, but like, I hope that like, people can bring my book to baby showers and give it to like parents. And like, so I mean, this was also why it was so, so hard to write. And it was just like, pulling everything out of me to make it happen because it's like it's that draining thing of like having to pull people into our sphere pull people into this mode of being that we're just like experiencing in our day-to-day lives and now I don't have to do that anymore (laughs) I'm hoping that that's like kind of the what the last big time I have to do that and now I can just kind of be like okay here's a link to my book you just read that now or like you give it to someone you give it to your school district you give it to your great grandparents like use this as a tool this has been an evolution of my work, right? Where I was a very initially like just talking to kids. I mean, queer kid stuff is like is all ages work. That's like the big secret of the series is that like it's for everyone. But like it was made with kids in mind, first and foremost, as an audience. And then over the last couple of years, I've kind of realized, like, what's the point of affirming and uplifting kids and helping them understand their identities if the people around them can't help them forge their life in the world that we live in today. And that was like kind of a big learning point for me of like, I need to expand beyond young people, simply because they don't live in a world where they don't live in like the utopia that queer kids stuff lives in, right? Like they don't live in that space where like all this is cool and okay and awesome and difference is great and like being weird is cool. And like gender is like a fun, creative thing that we can all be. And I, and I think like something that's been coming up for me too is in like the last couple of years and like as Galaxy has been growing and finding its space is that I've found that there are so many more spaces for queer and trans kids. And like that's been a really cool I mean, like backlash to the anti-trans stuff, like is not the right term, but like it feels like it's starting to become an equal and opposite reaction because like before this year, I don't think I'd ever had a single gig that was just for queer and trans kids. And like now it's a majority of what I do actually in, in terms of my like live performances. So I don't know. That's really cool. <laughs> I listened to the um, episode you and Kyle did um, mm. and you were talking about that, just the shift and yeah. the joy of being able to specifically work with those kids. I, I mean, I think when you're a member of a marginalized community, you tend to see things in a scarcity mindset because there mm-hmm. are never enough resources to go around. But yeah. we need to do everything we can to get the abundance in our community that we want. And I don't mm-hmm. just mean that in like a romantic way. I really mean... I want there to be a thousand galaxies, mm-hmm. right? I want there to be so many people asking for their kid to enroll that, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Oh my God, let's turn into a franchise. I love it. <laughs> all of the queer and trans people I know can do it too, mm-hmm. right? Like it's this dream job for me and I wish that so many people that I know could do it too. Mm. We we need more. We need more of it. And mm-hmm. I also really want to specifically say we need more of it that comes from the community and that yeah. especially comes from people with multiple marginalized lived experiences. Yeah. I 
try to be the best possible me that I can. And I will never come in with the experience of someone who has an identity that I don't, that yeah. is that is more marginalized than me. Because frankly, I am only a little bit marginalized in the grand scheme of things, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. I think about this all the time that like I am where I am because of my whiteness. And like that is like yeah. the reality of the situation. And like something I call out in the book is that like I want there to be a hundred different versions of this book from multiple cultural perspectives because queerness and transness are global identities. And in order to speak to the very specific experiences of queer and trans people from different perspectives, you need to actually talk about those specific specific perspectives in depth within their cultural context. And like me as like, I, I'm white, I'm Jewish, I'm trans, I'm not binary, I'm like a neurodivergent, I'm all of these things, but I am also not a lot of things. And I cannot speak to those because I don't have the personal experience of living in those identities day to day. And I know that like, I am where I am and have been able to get into the space. I, the book is coming out through a big five publisher. I'm pitching like huge like buyers in the Hollywood space, which is very exciting and cool. Um, it has been incredibly difficult to do all of that. And the only reason I have been able to achieve it, one out of like pure spite and like ambition, but also like I have my whiteness to lean on. I do. And like that has what's gotten me into a lot of these places despite my marginalizations. And that's something I grapple with every day. And I should be grappling with that. And that's important uh, part of my journey too. Well, and I think also so much of what I do is not like my brilliance or something like yeah. that. It's coming from the education of, you know, from so many people who've come before. Mm -hmm. And that galaxy is not some like unique idea. It's a freedom school online, right? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there, there's so much history that is kept from us, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for all of the queer and trans ancestors mm -hmm. who have done work like this. And frankly, people who aren't necessarily queer and trans, but black American community advocates and activists, you know, disability justice movements. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many folks who have made models mm -hmm. so that this idea isn't just like coming from nowhere. And I think it's really important too, as like a white person who sometimes gets a microphone, like in this mm -hmm. moment, to be able to say like, the reason I have it is mostly my whiteness. And most of the people I wish had more time on the mic, like don't because someone who gets to make decision power sees themselves in me. And something that's so frustrating in a lot of the world of like, you know, gender stuff for kids is that like, who's deciding what gets published? Who's deciding what gets made? Mm -hmm. Frankly, 90% cishet white people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sucks to be a trailblazer. And also, there are so, so many brilliant people who don't get the credit that they're due. Yeah. Because of racism, right? Yeah. Um, I think about you know, I don't know if you know Reflection Press. They're one of my very mm -hmm. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love Maya. I'm, I think we're, I'm actually going to talk to Maya soon on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Okay, that's a very good idea. <laughs> Maya uh, and Matthew are amazing. And just like every single thing that Maya and Matthew put out is made with so much love mm -hmm. and so much joy and so much truth. And I feel like the reason is, is because they are both coming from 
actual lived experience and having thought deeply about these things personally, mm-hmm. I have never bought a book from Reflection Press and been like, oh, there's no kid in my life who will love this. Mm-hmm. Like, they are all deeply beautiful and wonderful. And I wish that there were more opportunities for um, queer and trans kids to have books like theirs, including theirs, but like theirs, where um, their identity isn't seen as um, something that needs instruction Mm -hmm. or something that needs to be told through a narrative uh, coming through someone else. There's so many books that are like my sister that or my brother that Mm -hmm. where it's like the, you know, the assumed uh, sibling is dealing with their trans sibling coming out. I'm just like barf. Yep. Uh, We're starting to come up on time. So I do want to take a very quick break before we start getting into a book talk, because I think we need to get into some book talk. Oh, heck yes. (laughs) So we're gonna take a very quick break. And then we'll be right back with a listener question. Okay, I am back with Eli Din. And we're gonna answer a listener question. Are you ready, Eli? Yeah. Okay. So this listener is wondering how to talk to their trans kid about Harry Potter now that J.K. Rowling is a infamous transphobe and their kid has a love for Harry Potter and the Harry Potter books, but this parent doesn't know how to approach the anti-transness of J.K. Rowling with their kid who loves Harry Potter. So this is a tough one. So let's how how do we want to help this this parent? I think this parent, I want to think about how would they want their kid to know? This Mm. is the truth. The Mm -hmm. truth is J.K. Rowling is a flaming pile of poop. And (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. despite having created a fantasy world in which it is important to be yourself and that it is beautiful to be different, Mm. um, that doesn't apply (laughs) to trans Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. So we live in the world where that's true. The kid's going to find the truth that at some point, Mm -hmm. how do we want that to happen? Yeah. And especially if that kid is already a Harry Potter fan, it's not a question of if they'll find out, it's when, right? Do we want them to find out by a classmate who might not say it in a great way? Do we Mm. want them to find out by, God forbid, Googling something and having to read all of her diatribes and all of her absolute vitriol on the subject? Yeah. We want this kid to find out from a loving caring person in their life Mm -hmm. through a lens that makes sense for them. So I would say depending on the age of the kid, it really changes how you do this. So for example, I have a six-year-old. My kid knows that I used to be a huge Harry Potter fan and also knows that I am not anymore. And I get sad when people talk about Harry Potter because the person who wrote it, the author of Harry Potter, doesn't like trans people. That's my six-year-old's understanding Mm -hmm. and thinks that trans people are bad. And since we know that trans people are not bad, trans people are actually great. It is sad to know that someone who wrote a book um, that we used to like uh, says mean things about us. Mm-hmm. And that's my kid's understanding of it. Later, my kid may have more questions and I may talk to her about, you know, a little bit more nuance of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But from the sexual perspective, this is a book that lots of people like. There are things about it that people like. The person who wrote it is a human. It's not the book didn't appear out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And the human behind it is a complicated person. Like all people are complicated and particularly they're complicated in a way that is hurting someone I love Mm. for my kid, my Baba, right? Yeah. My Baba's trans and this person thinks that that's a bad thing. I know that's not a bad thing. 
So I don't like that that person thinks that. My kid has not expressed any interest in reading these books, even though it's something that a lot of kids are into and that, again, they know used to be a really big part of my life. Lindsay, you and I have talked about this, but I don't know if listeners know this, that I'm like a huge former Harry Potter nerd. I was, I, I am too, yeah. I founded a Quidditch, a Quidditch team in college. <sighs> I started a Harry Potter fan club. Mm-hmm. I uh, played at many libraries as Runal Waslib, wizard rock artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a lot for me in the last few years coming in terms of my own uh, my own connection with that. Yeah, so totally. um, I'm not going to try to put that on, on trans kids, but I yeah. would say for adults in the lives of trans kids, if you have a trans kid who loves Harry Potter, like please don't stomp on that or invalidate that love. Mm-hmm. Connect with them about what they love about it. And when the time feels right, when it feels relevant to a conversation, say something that is connected. You know, if your kiddo and you are talking about someone else in the world who believes transphobic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and how that makes them sad, you know, that could be a conversation where you can say, you know, it's really heartbreaking when there's someone that you think is cool and someone who maybe has even done or said or made things you like who also says hateful things. I know um, there are a lot of uh, trans grown-ups who grew up reading the Harry Potter books who were really sad when they found out that um, J.K. Rowling, who wrote the books, that she actually is really transphobic. She really doesn't think that it's okay to be trans, and that's really hard for them. And depending on the age of the kid, that might be the right way to to do it. Mm -hmm. It Really, I think it really depends on your relationship with your kid. But again, like the way it is parenting now, the information's out there. Your Mm -hmm. kid's going to find it. You get to decide who they find it out from and and how, when possible. So yeah, I think yeah. that's what scares bigoted parents, right? It's like, yeah. oh, my kids gonna go. they're going to go into kindergarten, and like the heartbreak that comes with that too. Yeah, yeah, and like how like sad and like having to give your kid information that could make their love of something really complicated and i i think like something we were talking about before we went on air is that this is also about like teaching your kid like some media literacy and like the importance of authorship and understanding how authorship is in relationship with the content that person makes. And I think we see that so much in like fiction for and about trans kids and like picture books that are about trans kids and like not by trans authors or like, mm-hmm. or by like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, lots of thoughts and Parents feelings. Parents trans kids. <laughs> see, I have an Instagram post. It's like, dear cis parents of trans kids, stop publishing. But anyway, that's another rant. Yeah, I think like any of these things about how to talk with with kids it's Mm -hmm. about practice it's not about a one-off if you don't have the relationship with your kid where they can come to you and say hey i'm actually going to use this name they're not going to come tell that to you it has to be modeled where that that comes up right when our kid was two and three it would be oh what pronouns are you using today one of my sisters we go over to her house and she'd be like hey are you still she and her today or are you this or that just like setting precedents like that communicate to kids your openness, but honestly, just make space for things. So, you know, yeah, we've had the conversation about why Baba doesn't like Harry Potter anymore in multiple ways and in different times, but it's also not happening in a household where we don't talk about flawed media. Mm. For example, my kid loves audiobooks, 
that's been sometimes hard for me because I can edit books when I read them aloud mm. and I can't when they're in an audio book. Yeah. So I'll read, for example, a Ramona Quimby book, which I, I genuinely love. They're very like near and dear to my heart. Beverly Cleary books like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, they meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when my kid is like, let's listen to the audio book of Ramona the Pest. I'm like, and my kid can call it out. Hmm. The teacher said, OK, boys and girls. My kid hasn't come to the point yet where they're like, you read that wrong, but that will come soon. (laughs) At this point, we have the relationship of, wow, there was that whole section where Ramona's parents were being really weird about gender and talking about their different expectations Mm -hmm. for this new sibling, about if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And how silly it is that they can't decide what name because they think it might be a gendered name. Mm -hmm. Names don't have genders. People do. To be able to have those kind of conversations, like with frequency, normalize the idea of like nothing in our world is really binary, right? Everything mm-hmm. is in these in these shades. And we were watching a, one of those How to Train Your Dragon movies, and mm-hmm. I looked at the screen and I looked at my kid and I paused the movie and I was like, I'm really upset and I want to turn this movie off. And the kid's like, No, I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, I just want to say to you, I think it's really racist that all the characters in this movie who are the good guys are white. And that the one person in this movie who is black is the bad guy. That is really not okay with me. I don't like that the only person of color in this movie has to be the one who's the villain. Mm. And I think that sends a message to kids, right? <laughs> Do not go on my my flipping pedestal to move at that time. But not pedestal, but yeah. you know, soapbox. That's what I'm yeah, yeah. And the kid's like, oh, you're right. That is really messed up. Yeah. I didn't notice all the other characters were white. Mm-hmm. And I said, that leads into conversation about whiteness as the default. Yeah. Like, you know, racist tropes, right? Mm-hmm. These things are not something that we can sit down and have a lesson with our kid on. Parenting kids in anti-bias ways and teaching kids anti-bias ways, these things are ongoing. But they yeah. come up as they come up. Mm-hmm. Having the relationship with your trans kid to share with them the sad fact that J.K. Rowling is a transphobe, that necessitates a connection between parent and child where they have already experienced talking through disappointment together, Mm. talking through the idea that like people aren't perfect, understanding that there's no good guys and bad guys, that it's like, you know, more complicated than that. Yeah. All these other things. And I think I was um, listening to your episode with the letter Mm -hmm. that my kid showed up for that. So that was an amazing event. Amazing. you were saying in there about childism and if we are going to be adults in a world where children are an oppressed group and we are going to try to change that paradigm in within the relationships we have with the children in our own lives, mm-hmm. like that's an ongoing process, just like fighting racism, just like fighting homophobia, just like any of that. It's not a one and done. It's an ongoing yeah. process. It's modeling so many different things and that can feel really overwhelming. And I think the general thing that parents should know is like no one is perfect at all of it ask for help yeah being community with other people so that no one has all the answers anyway parenting can be extremely isolating and parenting can be extremely like re-traumatic for people who haven't worked through their stuff mm-hmm. and i think i see so many people become parents and suddenly have to grapple with their relationship with their own parents mm. it's like Once there's a child in their day to day, they have to confront their inner child or whatever. Mm -hmm. Loving someone is loving them in all their complexity and letting them see you in all your complexity, too. And that is being okay with saying to a kid, I don't know. Or you know what? That's a really good question. I'm not sure how to answer it. Mm -hmm. Can I come back to you? Can we talk about this again tomorrow when I've had some time to think about it? 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think it's so important to remember that like, this is all muscle memory. It's all about just like practicing and having conversations and just trying. And I think that there are wrong ways to like parent in like anti-bias and like queer and transness and stuff. But I don't think that there's one right way. I, I think that like there are lots of different ways to approach it and lots of different ways to like have and be in relationship with kids in your life. And like it doesn't look like one thing. It doesn't look like one conversation. It's many conversations. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a full relationship mm-hmm. with two or multiple complex human beings. And everyone, adults included, are just like winging it through life. That's just how it works. And like giving ourselves like the grace to do that as like people who are around young people is so so important and i think that that's a good note to end on thank you so so much for sharing the space this has been just like a beautiful soul-filling conversation thank you for showing up here eli and thank you for having me of course um we're gonna head over to the patreon real quick and chat about some of your kids media recs but before we go there can you just tell us where we can find you on the internet if you've got anything to plug please do it now yeah (laughs) Don't Google me. I did that recently and it was a mistake Um, (laughs) because there's transphobes out there. So my name's Eli Den. I run Galaxy Community Circle. So you can find me on Instagram at Galaxy Community Circle. Uh, Also online, galaxycommunitycircle.org. I have a bookshop too. So bookshop, I think it's bookshop.org slash shop slash galaxy. Perfect. Get that affiliate coin. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Eli. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you so much to Eli for taking the time to chat with me. What an incredible organization they run. Go check out Galaxy Community Circle. Just awesome, awesome work. You can go support them on Patreon. Go and follow them on Instagram. They really, I love what Eli has to say about books over there and really encourage you to take a look and follow that space. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, you can go follow at Queer Kid Stuff on Instagram and Twitter and all the socials and go check out our work at QueerKidStuff.com and go subscribe to our newsletter and go pre-order the Rainbow Parenting book. You can find me on all the socials at Amer L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R. And I think that's it for today. Talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzia. <laughs>